You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Well, good morning, Kensington. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Can I see a wave of hands for those who are excited? Why don't you stand with us as we go before the Lord in singing and sing about his love that just encaptures us. And we go and pour before him with praise. When night has fallen, when fear is coming, still you're calling me. When faith is lost and my hope exhausted, you will be my strength. Can you sing with us? When my mind says I'm not good enough, God, you're enough for me.
everybody. I want to introduce you to our friend, Bree Harris, just in case you have not met. They're already clapping, but you don't even have to say anything. <laughs> hey, if you were here last December at our Christmas midweek, Bree led us in such a beautiful and powerful way, exactly like she's doing today. And so we're so excited because she's from Chicago, and so she's in town today to be able to join us. We are so excited. Thank you, Bree, for leading us. Can we give her another hand, everyone? Thank you. Hey, you all can have a seat. I, I want to welcome all of you who are here in the room. For those of you who are joining us via stream, you are with the Troy campus today. So we are so excited wherever you are. Hopefully you are watching from a beautiful place. And if we have not met, my name is Andrew Kim, and I'm, one of the, I'm on staff here at the Troy campus. And this past Thursday, I actually got back from Kenya, and we had an incredible experience. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And so I went with an incredible group of guys. We had a great, great experience. And I was reminded once again of the impact that clean water can have on not just an individual, but really a community. Because I heard stories again of women because it's primarily the women, the Pokot women in Western Kenya who do this work, who sometimes have to walk five, 10, 15 miles round trip to get water. And oftentimes the water looks like this, as you're gonna see in this picture, not very pleasant. And it's one thing to have to wash your dishes or your clothes or even your body in that, uh, in that water, but another completely different story to have to actually drink it. And so many people get sick with the diseases and sicknesses like typhoid and other things. And the women who have to carry this water, many times they're carrying a jerry can on their, hand, on their head, one in each hand, and then one on their back as well. And then they have a child strapped to their front so that they don't have to make as many trips. So you can imagine, that they get hurt. There's a lot of injuries, there's hernias, there's headaches and all of these kinds of things. But something else that I was reminded of is that because it's such a dry area, there are not only animals that want water, but also bees as well. And so bees, they will actually attack people to get that water. When children are crying, they will actually go for their tears. And children have been killed because of bee stings. Women, when they're giving birth, the bees will go after the fluid and women have been killed at giving birth to their own child. And so when a clean water well goes in, it just really transforms so much. But what clean water also does, the most important thing it does, is that it opens the door wide for the message of Jesus to enter in. Because that is, able, that is what is truly able to transform not just individuals, but marriages and families and futures forever. And so this coming Saturday, we are going to be running for water, for clean water, for the Pocot people right here on Saturday morning at Troy. And so we're going to, it's a 5K and there's also a kids fun run. And so we'd love for you to join us. It doesn't matter whether you run, walk, jog, roll, do somersaults. It doesn't matter, right? The whole purpose is to raise as much money as we can so that we could provide clean water for as many people. And so the message of Jesus can enter in. And so if you really hate running, um, there's also opportunities to serve as well as volunteer. And if you cannot be there, we'd love for you also to give because this truly is a worthy cause. And to register and to find out more information, you can go to our app or you can go to our website, which is kensingtonchurch.org forward slash 5K. And of course, this is Memorial Day weekend. Tomorrow is officially Memorial Day. And what Memorial Day weekend, of course, it means the official kickoff of summer. And hopefully many of you have been able to do all the yard work. You've been able to get together with friends or you are going to eat some good food and relax. 
But my encouragement and my really challenge for us as a community is that not just tomorrow, but really for this entire weekend, that we would take moments during this weekend to remember and honor those who paid the ultimate price in serving our country so that we could experience the freedoms that we do. And I've been a U.S. citizen now for four years, and every single time around this year, I am reminded of the privilege that it is to live in this country. It's not a perfect country, but at the same time, it is a beautiful, beautiful country because it's made up of beautiful people. And so that we would remember those who have served in our military, who have died so that we could live the life that we do, and not only them, but also that we would remember and pray for their families who have sacrificed so much as well. And so in a little bit, we're gonna be praying. But before we actually do, what I also wanted to address is I also wanted to address what happened this past week in Uvalde, Texas. And we left for Kenya on May 15th. And the previous day, I learned about the shooting in Buffalo. And then the day that we left, actually, I was sitting in the plane about to take off and I heard about the shooting in Laguna Woods, which is in Southern California in the church there. And then my phone was off for the next 10 days, which actually was an amazing experience. But then when I turned it back on, the very first piece of news that came across my screen was what happened in Uvalde. 19 children and two teachers. And like many of you, my heart absolutely sank. And the first thought that went through my mind was not again. And then probably also like many of you, I prayed. And this is what I wanna say about prayer. Because prayer is powerful. It is able to transform because what prayer does is that it connects us with the most powerful, with the most loving being in the universe. And that when we pray, our hearts become more aligned. That it provides us, it helps us to have clarity in chaos, to have wisdom in the midst of the heartbreak and the heart and it reminds us that we serve a God who is present and active in the world, even in the midst of the pain and the suffering that so easily sometimes overwhelms us. But at the same time, in these moments, that phrase, thoughts and prayers, have been used so often. You've probably heard it, and I've probably heard it as well. And so when that phrase is used, many times it can ring hollow because we wonder what's the purpose of that? What is the point of that? In many ways, it's become associated with leaders in our country who choose to pray for victims of violence, but then choose to do very little to nothing to prevent that violence from happening again. But that is not the purpose of prayer. Because what prayer is supposed to do, one of the functions is, is that it would move us towards action, to actually doing something. And I love the words of Mother Teresa. And she once said, I used to believe that prayer changes things. But now I believe that prayer changes us and we change things. And that is so true. Because when you look at the scriptures, you see examples of this over and over and over again from some of the greatest leaders in the Bible. People like Moses and Joshua, the prophet Isaiah, Daniel, and even Jesus himself. When they were faced with seemingly impossible situations, what they chose to do was that they chose to pray. And it was through that connection with God, it provided them with wisdom and clarity, strength and faith to move forward into the world, to be the change agents that God had called them to be. And something that I recognize about all of us here in the room and watching on stream is that when it comes to mass shootings, we probably all have so many different opinions as to how to prevent them. And we have different opinions and different perspectives on these issues. But the thing that we do have in common that I know for every single person 
is that we believe that this kind of stuff should not happen in our world. That this type of evil and darkness, that when we see it on the news, it shouldn't be a normal thing that we just think to ourselves, you know what, just something else, another one happened. And we're left almost helpless and we're left almost thinking, hey, you know what, there it is again. I don't believe that's the call of God for us, that it is meant to be something more, that this kind of stuff is not meant to be normal. And so this is my challenge for us as a community, that us as a community, that we would be people who do pray because prayer, as I mentioned, is powerful, that we would pray for the family members, for the loved ones of those who have died. And not only for them, but also for those who are injured, not just physically, but also mentally and spiritually as well. Because can you imagine being a child in Uvalde and having experienced what they experienced, the trauma that they experienced. And we know some of it because it happened in our backyard last year in Oxford that we would pray. But at the same time, that when we pray, that we would ask a very important question of God. And what that question is, is God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Because we are called to be lights, we are called to be love, and in this darkness, God, as your follower, what am I supposed to do? How can I actually be that light? And as God tells us, as he directs us, as he provides us with that wisdom, that we would also have the courage and we would have the love to move forward, whether it be mental health, whether it be school safety, whether it be jumping into legislative reform, whatever it is, But as Jesus followers, for us, that prayer would be our first step, but it would not be our only step. And as Frederick Douglass once said, that we would be people who also pray with our feet. Because if you are tired, as I am tired, of seeing this on the news over and over and over again, happening in grocery stores, happening in schools, happening in churches, happening, it seems like, everywhere in our world, that we would be people who say, no, I wanna be a part of the solution. I wanna be able to move courageously in. And that the very first thing that we would do is that we would pray and we would pray and ask the Lord, what is my role? What are you calling me to do? And so on that note, let's pray. Would you join me in prayer? So Lord, we are heartbroken. And as our hearts are broken, we know that your heart is broken as well. We thank you, Lord, that in the midst of these situations that you are present, that you, Lord, give your compassion, your peace, your comfort, Lord, to your people. And so, Lord, we pray for those who have lost loved ones. We pray for your peace that surpasses all understanding to be present with them, and not only for them, but also those, Lord, who have been so deeply traumatized and injured, not just physically, but in other aspects of who they are as well, God. May all of who you are, Lord, just be present in such a tangible and powerful way for your people who are hurting. But Lord, also as your followers here and who are a part of this community, show us what we are supposed to do. That you call us not to just be bystanders who see these things just happen and we become indifferent to them, Lord. But you call us to step in with courage, God, to speak out but at the same time, but also to move with our feet, that we would be people who also pray with our feet. Show us how to do that as your people, God. Show us how to love well in these situations. Lord, we also thank you, Lord, as this weekend is Memorial Day weekend, 
we also thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice of men and women, Lord, who paid the ultimate price so that we could experience the, life, the lives that we do. We also wanna pray, Lord, for their family members. Lord, as they have lost God, once again, we pray that your comfort, Lord, would be present in such a tangible way, Lord. So we thank you, Lord. I thank you for this community. It's a beautiful, beautiful people. Grateful to be a part of it, Lord. May we be a courageous community as well. And we pray all these things in your son's powerful name. Amen. So today we are in the third week of our series, Above All, and I'm really, really excited. The first service was really powerful. It impacted me in just a very, very personal way. And so Nate Mary Alki, he is going to be up in a little bit to give us vision as to where we are headed in the day. But before we do that, I want to invite all of us to stand up. Let's say hello to the people around us. Good morning, Kensington Church family. How are you guys doing today? I know on a weekend, yeah, it's good to see you all. I know on a weekend like this that many of us, many of our community is out camping and on vacation. I actually got texts already this morning of, of families huddled around iPads and campgrounds. So from wherever you're streaming from, we're so glad you decided to join us. And as Andrew already said, we are ending today our series on above all, where Peter writes to the early church and says, there's three things I want you to remember. Above all, love deeply, love one another, love God. Above all, use your gift to serve one another. And then the last thing we're gonna talk about today, above all, lean into the strength that God provides. So we need that strength. We need that strength to, to hold up under the things that we're dealing with even today. We need that strength to do the first two things, to love one another and to give our gifts in service of one another. And the early church was gonna really need to lean in that strength because Jesus had just called them on a global mission, a mission that would seemingly be impossible. This was a ragtag group of people. They didn't have high education. They weren't coming from the upper echelons of society. These were normal, ordinary people like you and I. And Jesus tasked them with an extraordinary mission to go to the ends of the earth with his message of love, his message of reconciliation. That was an extraordinary mission and they would need to lean into the strength of God to do the impossible because there were mountains that had to be moved. There were chains that had to be broken. And as they moved out, as they trusted in God, as they leaned not on their own strength and they leaned on the strength of God, they saw mountains move and they saw chains break. And we have mountains today in our culture that need to be moved. We have chains today in our culture that need to be broken. I'm gonna be honest with you, on Wednesday morning, I, after hearing the news of, of what Andrew was just talking about, I, right on the back of all these other tragedies that had happened in our nation, just in the last few weeks, I woke up with just a real discouragement and, and I thought to myself, I'm just gonna be honest with you, is that okay? I thought to myself, why believe? Why believe? 
when all these awful things are happening and I got my eyes on those things and as I went through the day, the Holy Spirit began to deal with me and he began to remind me of, of his faithfulness. He began to point out all the good things that are in the earth. He began to point out the mission of Jesus that's still very much active in the world today. And I actually texted my wife and I said, sweetheart, I'm gonna choose to believe because sometimes that's what it is. We just choose to put our feet down and say, I am going to believe in the goodness of God no matter what I see with my physical eyes, I'm gonna believe. So we're gonna sing a song, my very good friend, I know Andrew already introduced her, but, but Bree is a very good friend of my family's and we're so glad that she's in town and her and the team are gonna lead us in a song that just says, it's a prayer. It says, God, move the immovable, break the unbreakable because we believe in you. So as she leads us, let's make this more than a song. Let's make this a prayer. Let's make this a declaration for today. So team, go ahead and lead us as we sing. We lift up this prayer this morning, you God. They say can't be moved and they say these chains will never break but they don't know you like we do see there is power in your name and we've heard that
join me, in, join me in prayer one more time. Lord, after declaring a song like that, we put our hearts in your hands. We say, we believe in you. Even if things look like in our physical eyes, they're not changing. We know that you have the power and we continue to trust you. So we bring all these things in our lives that seem impossible and we lay them at your feet because as we just sang, you are the way when there seems to be no way. And we're gonna trust you today. So Lord, I pray that today our faith would rise, that we would see you, that we would open our eyes and we would see you and what you're doing in the nations of the world and that we would leave this place encouraged and maybe even burdened with the things that burden your heart. We love you and may you receive all the glory in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Team, thank you guys so much. What a powerful time you just let us in. Wow. Throughout the history of humanity, there have been many things that have been considered impossible before they were done. Think about the miracle of flight. Think about putting a man on the moon. Those things were impossible. And one of the things that was considered impossible until just the 1950s is that it was considered impossible for a human being to run a mile in less than four minutes. In fact, at the turn of the century, there were even scientists who weighed in on it because athletes kept trying and they could not break that four minute mark. The scientists looked at the human body, they looked at, at, at physics and they said, we think it's impossible for someone to run a mile in less than four minutes. But in the 1950s, a guy from the UK, a Sir Roger Bannister, did just that. He ran the mile in under four minutes. And since that time, about 1,500 other men have also run the mile in under four minutes. What was once impossible all of a sudden became possible. And I've got to, I gotta give a shout out to this lady, Safan Hassan, uh, from, uh, from Ethiopia, but running for the Dutch team almost got there, four minutes and 12 seconds. I think she can shave that 12 seconds off and eventually she will hit that mark. But I wanna give a shout out to her as well. But what seemed to be impossible actually became possible when someone broke through that barrier. So when it comes to the missional call of Jesus Christ to the early church, that was an impossible thing. It was an impossible mission for a, a ragtag group of a diverse group, some fishermen, some tax collectors from all different places of society to then come together and bring this message to the ends of the earth. See, listen to this call from Jesus in Acts chapter one, verse eight. He's running to the, to the, to the church, the early church, and he says to the early church, to the early followers of Jesus, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And you know, we can think about that verse and we can look at it through our 21st century lenses. We can hear kind of the biblical language, you will be my witnesses. And think, oh, that's really pretty language. But think about what it meant to the original audience. This is in the first century, 2,000 years ago. There were no planes, trains, or automobiles. And he goes to this ragtag group of people and says, you're gonna be my witnesses. And I imagine the conversation, in my imagination, I imagine it a little bit like this. Okay, guys, you know what? You're gonna take this message of the gospel. First, you're gonna go to Jerusalem. And I can imagine high fives. Yeah, Jerusalem, we love that city. There's good food there. We love the culture. Yeah, that's our place. That's our city. Jerusalem, all right, we got this, Jesus. And then next, you're gonna take it to Judea. 
And then maybe they, they take a little bit of hesitation, but all right, you know, you know what? Judea is our spot too. You know what? The rural areas, it's gonna be great. We're gonna get out there in the farm countries and, and we're gonna bring this, this message. It's gonna be awesome. And guys, you're gonna also bring it to Samaria. Here's where I think they might be taking a little pause, okay? Samaria, ah, we don't really mix with those people very much, but well, I guess it worked out that one time with that lady at the well. So yeah, all right, we got this. And then Jesus drops the bomb. You're gonna take this message to the ends of the earth. And I can imagine the early church just going, wait, what? I mean, this was seemingly impossible. And they needed to find their strength in some, something or someone bigger than themselves. That they were gonna follow the mission of Jesus to the ends of the earth. That we we're gonna bring this message, this gospel, this good news. They needed to rely on the strength of the Lord. And this is where Peter, writing to the early church in, in, his, in his letter in chapter four, where he says this in 1 Peter chapter four, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God if anyone serves, they should do so, so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever, amen. So why do they have to lean into the strength of God? Because you know what? These, these guys, these early believers, they were not the first pick on anyone's team. As I mentioned before, they didn't come from the upper echelons of society. Some of them were not educated and yet they were God's choice. I played sports in high school. Rather, I tried to play sports in high school, but I was one of those guys who when it came to time for scrimmage and you know they had the team captains and you had to pick who's gonna be on your team, I came in dead last almost every time. I was that guy. It was like me and this, this kid named Jeffrey Weed, and it was like, we were always looking at each other. Who's it gonna be today? Is it gonna be you or me? But it was gonna be one of us who was last. Who's all my last picks out there? Come on, no shame. Anybody? All right, all right, I see you, I see you, I see you. Thank you, we're, we're together in this. But I was, I was always the last pick. I just wasn't good. And so this is really how it was for the early believers. It, listen to what Paul says about the early believers, these early followers of Jesus. See if this is encouraging. He says this, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many were, you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Think about this passage. Peter, I mean, Paul is writing, he's basically saying, you are not all that. You didn't come from money. You didn't come from influence. You weren't even really that wise when you were chosen, but God chose you anyway. And that is what God loves to do throughout scripture. We see story after story of how God chooses those that have been passed up by other people. I think about the story of King David. Some of you may be familiar with that. King David was the second king of Israel. He was God's choice. He was God's anointed one. He was the one responsible for writing most of the beautiful Psalms that we find in scripture. But he didn't start out that way. There was a prophet named Samuel and his job was to anoint the next king of Israel. And God spoke to Samuel and said, I want you to go to Jesse's house. He's got a bunch of sons. 
and out of his sons, I'm gonna pick my next king. So Samuel goes to Jesse's house, tells him what's happening. Hey, God's picking one of your sons to be the next king of Israel. So Jesse rounds up his boys and he lines them all up. I imagine he probably put the most impressive ones first in the line, the tallest, the most muscular, maybe the wisest, those that have the most talent. And they're all lined up and Samuel looks at each one of them and God says to Samuel, no, it's not him. It's not him, it's not him. He gets to the end of the row and God hasn't chosen any of them. And Samuel looks at Jesse and says, Jesse, are you sure these are all your boys? Jesse's like, ah, forgot. There's one out in the the sheep field, but you're not interested in him. He's the least, he's the smallest. You don't want him. And God says to Samuel, he's the one I want. God delights in choosing the weakest, the smallest to pour his strength out into so that he can show his power. So that should be encouraging to us, us ordinary people that are trying to walk out this faith. See, God loves to do that. He loves to choose the weakest to lead, to be the strongest. So even though I was the worst player on the soccer team, I really was. I rode the bench for, for a lot of the games. And then I was that kid who, if we were ahead, the coach would say, okay, go ahead and play, Nate. So even though I was the worst player in 11th grade, I don't know if it's because he felt sorry for me or if he felt like I was trying really hard or whatever, my coach made me the captain of our 11th grade soccer team. So even though I was the worst player, I was chosen to lead. And again, that's what God loves to do. He loves to do that. He said, you know what? You're not the best to the early church. He says, you're not the best. You're maybe not the brightest, but you are going to lead the largest global movement the world has ever seen. And you're gonna do it in my strength, not in your own strength. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. He's telling his early disciples, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, he said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And look at this, get this. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know what makes the difference in every situation and what makes the difference in a life? The presence of Jesus. Jesus makes all the difference. Do you feel weak today? Do you feel not strong enough today? Do you feel not enough today? Let me tell you something. Jesus makes all the difference. We see this again uh, in the book of Acts when we have a group of people watching the activities of Peter and John, some of the early friends of Jesus. And this is what they said about him in Acts chapter four. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. They were astonished. See, Jesus makes all the difference. See, you see this this, you see God's work in the nations in this way. He makes all the difference. And they were astonished. Why were they astonished? Because they took note that these men had been with Jesus. The older I get, the more that's what I want said about me. You know what? I want people to look at me and say, you know what? That guy's been with Jesus. Because Jesus makes all the difference. Jesus makes the difference in our world. And I tell you, can I say something, guys? We need more of Jesus in our lives We need more of Jesus in our church. We need more of Jesus in our nation because he makes all the difference. And you really see this played out 
when you look at the work of God in the nations, when you look at missions and the, the work of the gospel moving forward in the nations of this world, you really see where the weakness of, of human beings and the strength of God intersects. My wife, both my wife and I have had just the, the joy uh, of the, and the adventure of, of, be, of serving in foreign missions. I was in Europe, mostly Germany, and my wife spent three years in the nation of Thailand, getting a burden for that nation. And when you are involved, and many of you have taken short-term mission trips, and whenever you get on the ground in another nation, you really see this bear out. You see the weakness of humans and the strength of God colliding in such a powerful way. It happens almost every time. I'm sure many of you have all of your own stories. Um, last night, my wife, Catherine, and, and Bree, Bree, Bree staying with us. Was, we were just sitting around outside on a beautiful Michigan night just talking about the things of God. And Bree said, hey, what's that story about, about your friend who, who was from a different faith, who came, who came to the Lord? And it reminded me of this story of a friend of mine who was, um, who was from an Islamic family, a Muslim background, and he was kind of checking out the things of, of Jesus, and he ended up at some of our meetings. And, and I remember this one particular meeting, and I was, I was actually speaking. I, was, I remember clearly I was speaking on Romans chapter eight, and I was very, very sick. I had got some kind of waterborne illness, and, and I, was, I literally was standing there holding on to a music stand like this because if I, if I didn't, hold on, I would have fallen over. I was so sick. And yet I still felt like I was supposed to speak that night. And in my, I'm sure it was the worst message I've ever given in my entire life. I mean, it was awful. I was sick, I wasn't focused. I think I just read scripture after scripture and did a short commentary on each one. And at the end of that service, this, this guy comes up to me and he had a profound encounter with Jesus. In fact, later in the week, as he was with us, he was praying, he was like, I, I wanna know who you are. Are you, are you, are you Allah, like, like, I, like I've always thought and like I've always been taught and believed, or are you Jesus, which one are you? And this young man came to me and with tears in his eyes and he said, as I was praying that, Jesus Christ himself appeared in front of me, not in my mind's eye, like he showed up and he was there convincing me that that he was the Messiah and I wanna give my life to him. So, so many times when human weakness is there, God's strength intersects and amazing, miraculous things happen in the nations of the world. And in a moment, you're, we're gonna watch a video of how the Lord has moved even through our community, through the, through the campuses of, of Kensington Church and reached out to the nations of the world. And we're gonna, we're gonna hear some really encouraging, powerful stories. But before we do that, I wanna, um, we're gonna receive our, this morning's tithes and offerings. Because of the generosity of this community, so many things you're gonna see in this video happen. Just as Andrew pointed out, just the clean water for the Pocock people alone. That, I am just, my heart swells with compassion and even a, a sense of, of godly pride over the fact that this community is constantly drilling new wells for the Pocock people. Things like that, because of your generosity and it's such a generous church that we're able to, to, to reach out to all the different corners of the world as well as in our own local context. So if you come prepared to give, you guys probably know all the ways that you can give. You can text to give, they can jump on the website. If you have your offering right here in person, there's boxes in the back of the room. You can deposit that in on your way out today. But let's take this video in and be encouraged by what God is doing in the nations of the world. Check this out. 
At Kensington, we believe to love God means we love others, even those halfway around the world in Central and South America, Asia, Africa, and the Middle East. We have developed ongoing partnerships with 11 indigenous churches and organizations in 10 different countries. We support our partners through relationships and resources as they meet spiritual and physical needs in their own communities. We'd love to share some of the ways our global partners are making an impact in the name of Jesus. Our partner in the Dominican Republic, Go Ministries, has several areas of ministries through which they are transforming lives for Christ. One of those is supporting the local and global church. In March, they held a two-day conference for global church planning, which was attended by more than 300 church leaders representing 10 different countries. All of this in a country roughly the size of one-fifth of the state of Michigan. Our partnership with this underground church planning movement has helped them to reach more than 148,000 people with the gospel, resulting in more than 15,000 people becoming followers of Jesus. And 849 new churches were started in 2021. The combination of the pandemic and a severe economic crisis has left Brazil's lower class destitute and unemployed. Our partner, CTPI, is working to provide consulting and special training to help these families find new jobs and start small businesses. Kensington has also supported new church plants in five different cities in Brazil. When the Taliban established control in August of 2021, Kensington Church made additional donations to support our partner, Big Life, in the evacuation of more than 38,000 people to safer locations within or outside of Afghanistan. With most borders still closed, our partner continues to work to relocate the remaining 1,000 people to safety. In Egypt, we partner with Near East Outreach, which has mobilized a large group of Christian volunteers to start in-home Bible studies, bringing thousands of Egyptians into contact with the gospel message of Jesus. Their outreach also includes working with abused women, individuals with disabilities, and street children. Our partnership in the Holy Land has allowed us to train and encourage students in the Bethlehem Bible College and come alongside Pastor Nihad and his congregation at the Emmanuel Evangelical Church. In past years, Kensington has sent short-term teams to help lead conferences and support the church's effort to minister the needs of the Bethlehem community, which has experienced high rates of unemployment and economic instability. We have people coming from different backgrounds. backgrounds. You know, they're coming and saying, what is the truth? Why, why this is happening? War? Uh, happened, uh, the pandemic, uh, uh, the, the, finance, the financial collapsing somehow. And this is where we have to step in and give hope and speak about the hope that is real hope. The Bible speaks about uh, a, a living hope. So we, we are open uh, to our society, to the people who are uh, finding themselves hopeless. In March, a huge celebration accompanied the opening of the Deep D. Grace Agape Old Age Home on CEM's compound in India. This newly constructed building saw many delays due to supply and labor shortages during the pandemic, which is finally ready to welcome the 21 elders currently residing at CEM, as well as the 70 more from the many abandoned elderly in the region. The elders present for the dedication ceremony were excited about their new and matching outfits, as well as the new spacious rooms with personal bathrooms. When the conflict began in Ukraine, none of our existing partners were operating in this part of the world. After a quick but thorough vetting, we found Send International, a Christ-centered ministry that gives 100% of the funds directly to the need. People of Kensington Church have given more than $135,000 to help Ukrainian churches as they care for and evacuate refugees. Please continue to pray for Ukraine and the desperate situation they are facing.
Since 2003, we have partnered with Pokot Outreach Ministries to reach the Pokot people of Western Kenya and meet needs, including orphan care, church planning, women's empowerment, and clean water initiatives. Kensington's own Hope Water Project supports the global partner by specifically funding the digging of clean water wells in that harsh region of the world. In April of this year, two more wells were dug. The way we approach serving our global partners is distinct. It's both through resources and relationships. Our staff and many from our church community have chosen to take a short-term trip to serve our global partners and work alongside them. I'm Mark Paschal, and I've been doing short-term trips with Kensington since 2011. Um, I've always gone on the medical trip to Kenya, working in the Pukat area, and uh, I've led the team for the last three or four years but started going and have been eight times since 2011. One of the reasons that we came to Kensington was because of the short-term trips that they do, and, and we knew that through the years they've taken just hundreds of teams over. I feel like when I'm there and we're doing the short-term trip and we're, we're dispensing the medicine, we're working with the pastors, that's really living. That, that's what God's called me to. And so as we go on these trips, you build relationships with the people that are there. And you look forward to seeing them every year, and they look forward to seeing you. Uh, and you really understand that, that you're just part of a family. The primary goal, of course, is always to get the gospel into these villages. And, and we see medicine as a great way to do that. My name is Andrea. In 2019, we went over to Nepal on a missions trip to teach hairdressing to girls that have been rescued from human trafficking. The goal was to teach them a skill so that they could go into their communities and provide for themselves and their families and not be at risk again for human trafficking for a way to get money. Teaching them hair was really great to teach them a skill, but just being able to be that close with the girls and share our stories and hear their stories, and these girls have been to the darkest place of earth, and share their love for Jesus really just you can't help but believe. It was very impactful for me. So much so I actually chose to get baptized on the trip, which was probably my highlight of the trip. Really being able to be removed, so far removed from your everyday life on a trip like that, it really just allows you to focus everything. Every minute of our day was focused on God and his kingdom. And that for me was, it was just what I needed. Take a step, take a leap, and just trust that God's gonna provide what you need. Our ability to serve isn't limited to those who are able to go. If you haven't heard already, we have a Kensington-born sponsorship program called No Child that is meeting the needs of children under the age of three through our global partners in Kenya, India, and Nepal. Many of the children are orphans, many are desperately poor, many are vulnerable to child marriage and human trafficking, and all of them need to hear that there is a God who loves them. When we first started No Child uh, back in 2010, we came home with about 250 kids from Kenya and India, and we thought, what if nobody sponsors these kids? And now 12 years later, we've had 4,500 children go through the program. There's a great opportunity for you to get involved with No Child. We have over 150 students who still need a high school sponsor, and we have 70 children who need a basic sponsorship. What, what exam are you taking? English exam? Oh, is it hard? <laughs> are you gonna do well on it? 
Yes, of course you are. The impact of sponsoring a child, it's more than just the impact it makes on them. It's the impact it makes on us. Just to be part of watching a child have that opportunity to be cared for and loved and get their education and more importantly to know about Jesus is what it's all about. We believe that we as a community have a unique calling by God to meet needs in his name. He has equipped us and resourced us to serve in strength. Please learn more about Global Partners and how you can serve them at kensingtonchurch.org global. I love what Andrea said in that video. She said, when you see you know, the work of God, the strength of God in the nations, you can't help but believe. And that's what happens when you see God at work in the nations where again, human weakness and his strength intersect. And so for the, for the remainder of our time together, I wanna give us some action steps because I think that Andrew challenged us so well at the beginning of this service. How can we step out? How can we actually see effective change? And I just wanna submit to you a few action steps that may help you get involved globally in this mission that, he's, that Jesus has called us to, to go to the ends of the earth, to do what is impossible in our own strength, but relying on his strength, we can see it done. The first thing I'd like to encourage you in is to go on a short-term missions trip. I know that here at Kensington, many Missions trips are offered. And when you go, amazing things happen. I love what Mark in the video said. This happened to me. When I started going on short-term trips, I realized that the church of Jesus Christ is so much more diverse and so much bigger. And it's a big family. It's bigger than what I initially thought. I remember going to Europe for the first time and meeting friends that were brothers and sisters right away in the faith. People, we didn't have the same language. We didn't have the same upbringing. Sometimes we didn't look like one another, but we were brothers and sisters. And you come home from those trips realizing we're a part of a bigger family. Also, when you go on a short-term trip, it can pave the way for future involvement in the nations. I mentioned to you that my wife, Catherine, was a missionary in Thailand for three years. She learned the language. She landed there and, and, and poured herself out by taking the Jesus film to unreached parts of Thailand and then never heard the name of Jesus through the jungle. She also worked, on, worked with women who were in sex trafficking and helping to get them out and get them into other uh, places of employment, and she saw awesome things happen. In fact, one of the things she did, as I mentioned, she would uh, strap a backpack to her to her back, and she'd hike through the jungle to these unreached villages, and she would sleep in the forest, the Thailand forest, at night in the open air. And this, as a one of my major hobbies, is I love to backpack. So I love to strap a backpack on and get out into the wilderness for days at a time. And as we were dating and she told me that story, I thought, oh man, we're gonna be like the backpacking couple. Like husband and wife tackling the Appalachian Trail. It's gonna be awesome. And so we get married and, and we start to plan our, our first year of vacations. And I was like, Kat, I was thinking, you know, we could backpack here, we can do camping here. She's like, no, no, where's the hotel? Wait, we're getting a hotel. I'm like, but wait a minute. I, I thought like you were into this. Like you hiked through the jungle. Like you slept on the ground in the, Thai, in the Thailand jungle. Like what, I thought you liked that. She goes, no, 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 listen. I'll do that for Jesus. I will not do that for you. <laughs> but 
the first time she landed in Thailand, she kind of got a burden. She, she tells this story. She landed in the airport in Thailand and really got a burden for the people there. And here she is. She's born and raised in New York City and in Queens and used to city lifestyle and used to a, a certain way of life. No money. She landed there with no money. But, but again, in her weakness, she's this, this young woman. You know, in a lot of ways, we think this young woman has no business traveling through the jungle by her, you know, by herself with a small group of people with no money and all this kind of stuff. But in her weakness, God showed His strength, and and as a result of her being there, several women were rescued from sex slavery and brought into the kingdom. And it's just amazing how God has used her life even through weakness. And so the the other thing that I want to encourage you to do is to sponsor a child through Kensington's sponsorship program called No Child. I didn't even know we had this. This is an amazing thing. 4,500 children have been sponsored by the Kensington community through this No Child sponsorship. And again, this is where our weakness can meet God's strength. I remember as a, a very young man in my young 20s, I had an hourly wage job, I was not making much money, and yet I felt challenged to sponsor a child through another organization. I felt challenged to sponsor a child, and, and I remember saying, God, okay, if you'll provide, I'll do this. And even in my weakness, even in my small budget, God's strength showed up and we've been able to sponsor several children through the years. But the, this sponsoring children makes a huge difference in a life. I just wanna read to you a couple stories of sponsorships from the Kensington community. There's the story of Benson. Just last week, a young man from our community named C.J. Borglin got to meet Benson, who he had been sponsoring for 10 years in Kenya. CJ started a lawn service and his dad encouraged him that from the proceeds of the lawn service, make sure you're giving and you're tithing to the work of God. And so he decided to sponsor Benson. There's a little bit about Benson. Benson's life has been so difficult. Both his parents died when he was young. His uncle abused him. And yet he managed because of CJ's sponsorship to finish high school and is now in university studying to become an HR director. And his desire is to now work for an NGO. Benson's life completely turned around because one young man mowed lawns and said, you know what, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna help Benson. Here's another story. This is Anita. Anita is from Nepal. She started in the no child program after she was rescued from human trafficking. She's a beautiful young woman who came to know Jesus while under the care of no child. After finishing her education, she's now on staff with Our Daughters International. This is our global partner in Nepal. She has gone through a leadership program and is now encouraging and helping other girls who have been trafficked. Her story all begins with somebody in one of our communities saying, yeah, I'm gonna do the 40 bucks or whatever it is a month to sponsor this child. Changes their life. So almost Almost 5,000 children have been cared for through our community. And I know this weekend we have about 225 more that still need to be sponsored. And I just believe across all seven of our campuses, we could get this taken care of. We could get this taken care of. And it's amazing what can happen when those of us in the church, all of us individually have our own weaknesses, we have our own struggles, and we come together and we allow the strength of God to do something powerful through us. Man, I love the vision that Steve gave us last week. What if, because, what if because Kensington Church exists, the people, the Pocot Nation, 
in Kenya, the people of the Pokot tribe, what if, because, we, because this church exists, because of our community exists, what if they received all the wells they ever needed in our lifetime? That would be amazing. That would be a wonderful vision of the, of the love of Jesus Christ moving forward. And I love the challenge that Andrew got online and made to us uh, earlier this week, and he posted it on, on our Facebook page. He talked about water coming to the Pocot people and what that meant, but he also said this, these people need the living water that is Jesus Christ. So the last challenge that I have for us, and it really is probably the most important one, is that we can do this, church. We can pray. Now, I think sometimes we downplay this a little bit. I think we think, well, if you can't give or if you can't go, you could always pray, I guess. But what if it was the most important thing that we could ever do for the cause of Christ in the nations? And is there anything else that reveals human weakness and God's strength more than prayer? I remember the very first time I, I tried to pray, I, I was a teenager and I had just really been awakened to the things of God. Jesus had really saved my life and, and brought me into his kingdom in such a dramatic and powerful way. And I thought, I'm gonna be a person of prayer. And I remember going to my little church and like, I'm gonna pray for an hour. About five minutes in, I was out of stuff to pray for. I mean, I had nothing left. I was like, I prayed for the world like three times and my mom and dad, I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, surely it's been at least a half an hour four and a half minutes, oh man. But this is a place that reveals human weakness and then God's strength begins to move in. Look at what Romans 8.26 says about this. In the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Prayer is where we really do need the strength that God provides. Prayer is where we really need to lean in to that strength. And prayer is powerful. Remember those early, those early believers that Jesus tasked with bringing the message of him to the ends of the earth. They were a people that prayed. They were always praying together. In fact, we see one of their prayers recorded in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4, says this, this is their prayer, and they're in a very, very difficult time. They're being persecuted. People are threatening them, and he's, they say this, now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness and stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So here we come full circle, back to those early believers. They found their strength in God by praying together, praying for one another, praying for the nations of the world. They didn't put their head in the sand. They knew there were threats, but they were ready to wait on his strength, to lean on his strength and move into the nations of the world. And it's no different for us today because Jesus makes all the difference because he is the living water that the nations of this world need, we are still tasked with the same mission to take this love, to take the person of Jesus, to take the spirit of God, to take the, the beauty of this message to the ends of the earth. And in order to do that, we're gonna need to rely on the strength of the Lord. But here's the beautiful thing. The church was made by God, manufactured by God, created by God to answer the cry, the hopeless cries of the nation. 
I love this quote someone said once, said, it's not so much that God has a mission for his church, but the, that he has a church for his mission. It was always God's design to bring the hope and the life and the love of Jesus Christ to the four corners of the earth. And it was always his purpose to use people like us. Ordinary, ordinary, normal, everyday people that would gather together, would lean on strength that's outside of ourselves so that we could do more than we could ever do without him. Without him, we can't do anything. Without him, we can't bring this message. Without him, we can't bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. But with him, we can do all things and we cannot fail because he is with us. Jesus makes the difference. Jesus is the difference. He's the one. So we're gonna spend these last few minutes worshiping together. And we're gonna, the first song we're gonna sing is God build your church. And there's a point in there in which the team leads us in these words. We will never fail. We will never fail. This is not some kind of declaration that's prideful. This is not a declaration that, well, we can't fail. No, it is a declaration of weakness because we know that in and of ourselves, we can fail, but in Christ, we cannot because he cannot fail. So we're gonna declare this together and then we're gonna worship the Lord. We're gonna worship him and, and honor his gospel message and declare that he is the king of all kings. So I'm gonna ask you, would you stand with us and let's worship together with these last few songs. Join us to the praise 
forgive me that's my Pentecostal background coming out but God you can build your church here ah let's keep singing to the King of Kings in the darkness we were waiting without hope without light till from heaven you came there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophet to a virgin came the word from the throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dead. We sing out his praises. Praise for 
the name of the one that changes everything, the name of the one that is still reaching to the four corners of the earth, even today, reaching out to the rich, to the poor of every generation, of every ethnicity, of every people group, of every language, bidding them to come, bidding them to find salvation, bidding them to find peace in Jesus. And that's what we get to do. That is who we are partnered with. And I just pray today that we got a little bit more of his burden, his heart, and his joy for the nations. Bree, it's so good to have you here. Thank you for being here. Bree, Bree is like a, a sister to, to my wife, Catherine, and I. So two things happen when you sing, Bree. I, I, I can't help but dance. So I'm over there dancing like, like crazy man, and I cry. So I'm a dancing, crying, crazy man in the corner over there. But you know, I don't care because you are leading us to the heart of God. I so appreciate who you are, your gift, and I know you behind the scenes and 100% authentic, and I just appreciate and love you, and I'm so glad that you're with us today. Yeah, yeah. As you leave today, you're gonna get two things. You're gonna get a brochure that has more information about our child sponsorship program called No Child. 225 kids still need to be sponsored. Pray about it, consider it. You're also gonna get a sticker that says the word pray across a globe. And it has the names where we have all of our global partners. And this will just remind us when we see this to pray for our global partners in the world. I also wanna bring your attention to one more thing. We've been really having a great time at our midweek services around here, the second Wednesday of every month. So not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, we've got our next midweek. We've been in a series called Note to Self, where we're interviewing different people, telling their stories of redemption. In fact, last time we had midweek, we interviewed Peng Lee, who's one of our elders, a wonderful Asian woman who came from Asia and just saw amazing, God do amazing things. So if you didn't hear that story, I want to encourage you, go back and watch it, even as a way to remember and celebrate AAPI Heritage Month. It'd be a great way to do that and just see how God is working in that part of the world and in amongst that people group. But we'd love to see you at our next midweek, not this Wednesday, but next. We're gonna have a great time. You guys have a great weekend and we'll see you next week. Bless you guys. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.